Welcome to the New Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you are encouraged by this message by Pastor Steve Rogers. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Tom shared a message uh, on standing still. Stand still and wait. And as we talked yesterday, as he was uh, uh, looking into Scripture and we were talking about various things that we felt like the Holy Spirit was speaking to the church at New Hope, that there was a there there is an amplification, if you will, on that word "stand still and wait." That there is a truth embedded in those four words that I believe, as we continue to chew on this, is life changing. Because the word of the Lord that comes as revelation and is deposited in our hearts will be life changing. You see, if we hear the word of the Lord and we're not changed, we need to find out what's wrong with the soil. Amen? So as we continue to talk about that, we were talking about a couple weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, he taught on this, and his takeaway was this. The stand still and wait moments are those times where it seems we stop and push the reset button on our faith while standing in the face of mystery and uncertainty. And the takeaway, or the, the bottom line, and, and uh, I'm going to do a couple things like Pastor Tom. That way you'll feel like he's still here. Y'all look at me. Look at me. I'm going to give you the takeaway. I'm going to give you the end at the beginning. Okay, Jim, is that all right with you? If we will learn to stand still and wait, we will be able to stand still and see. Right? Four or five of y'all got that. I'll repeat it. If we will learn to stand still and wait, we will be able to, when we face adversity, when we face that obstacle, when we face that devastation, when we face that darkness, we will be able to stand still and see the salvation of God. But let me tell you, maybe you're in here, Jeff, and you've got this automatic stand still and wait thing or you were wired for it my mantra especially before i got saved was when in doubt attack so i have to continually rein myself back and after 40 years of serving god 41 next month i'm still working focusing on and learning to stand still and wait now, there's some in here, maybe you're newer in the faith. Maybe you've been in the faith for a while and you still just have a preconception about what stand still and wait means. Well, let me tell you what my stand still and wait is, okay? My, my hopefully, revelation from God this morning. Stand still and wait is a dynamic encounter with God that equips us to trust Him and stand still and see His salvation when we get in the bad circumstances. It is a dynamic encounter with God. Now, I connected that after I got home from talking with Pastor Tom and I'm going over these notes. I have a tendency, right, Chip? Everything we, everything we hear, a scripture jumps in our mind, right? Right? So when I say stand still and wait, what's, do you have a scripture come to you? 
Excuse me? Okay, be still and know that I'm God. That's not the one I'm looking for. It's got weight in it. No. How about Isaiah 40, 31? Give me that one. Okay, I know. I shouldn't ask him. I know Chip does. We have this thing. Whenever we're talking with somebody and something comes up, Scripture jumps in our mind. So as soon as I'm, I'm looking at these notes, I'm thinking, be still, stand still, and wait. Stand still and wait. Now, some people are going to think, hmm, hakuna matata, hakuna matata, hakuna matata. No. When I stand still and wait, the Bible says that I'm going to renew my strength. I'm going to mount up with wings as eagles. I'm going to run my race with endurance. I'm going to walk worthy of the calling that I'm called in. I'm going to walk in my anointing, and I will not faint. Now, doesn't that make sense? Amen? Ha! Stand still and wait is a dynamic encounter with the presence and the person, the Holy Spirit, the reality of Jesus Christ that we learn as we walk through these times, as we have this dynamic encounter, that we are then equipped that when we walk out of here... And all hell breaks loose. We're just going to stand still and see the salvation of God because we have learned to stand still and wait. Now, that's critical. Now, we'll share some things we, I hope, will back up. We're going to look at a couple instances in the Bible, starting in the Old Testament, where we see the hand of God, we see the people of God involved in situations that appear to be no hope. We're going to talk and we're going to look at barriers that can't be crossed and battles that can't be won. So we're going to look first at Exodus. The first one is um, Pastor Tom taught on us several months ago. It's called a Red Sea moment. Most of you know what this is. Most of you know the situation. Most of you know the history unless you're real new to the faith. The nation of Israel had been in captivity for 400 years. All of a sudden, boom, Moses is raised up, plagues come on them. Pharaoh says, hey, take your people and get on out of here. You know, when they left Egypt, there wasn't a sick person in the crowd. There could have been two million people. You know that, Terry? Not one sick person. Not only that, they were loaded up. Gold, jewelry, silver, they were, the Egyptians loaded them up. Oh, here they go. Dun, 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 dun. We've been set free, free at last, free at last. Hallelujah, glory to God, we're free at last. They're heading out. What should have been just a few days' journey into the promise that God had for them. Wow, God set me free. God's loaded me down with good stuff. I'm healthy. There's money in the bank. Woo! I've got it going on, Drew. And all of a sudden, there's an ocean. I don't know about y'all. Most of y'all don't think like I think. I'm weird. I'm sitting there last night looking over his nose. I'm thinking, you know, there had to be some in that two million of people, two million people that got over there and they got to the edge of that ocean. They said, what's that? They'd never been to the beach. These guys were slaves. All they got to do was make bricks. They had to labor all day. They didn't get to take a vacation. 
Oh, hey, here we are. Things are good. We're loaded down. We're healthy. We get, but there's an ocean. All of a sudden they look behind them and what happened? There's a big bad army coming after them. They don't even have any weapons. There's chariots, there's spears, there's swords. Now these guys were serious killers back in those days. They're coming to wipe them out. So here they're going from a time or a place or a situation where free at last, free at last. Hallelujah. I'm healthy. I got money in the bank. Things are going good. And kabam. Anybody ever been there? Man, you think, hey, things are going good. Finally, I got it going on. Finally, I got my bills paid, credit card paid off. I got that sickness out of the way. Things are going good. And then all of a sudden, kabam. We're going to look at uh, Exodus, Ezekiel, (laughs) Exodus chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. But Moses said to the people, do not fear. What's it? What's he say then? What's he say? Stand. Stand. We're in this together, y'all. So when I ask y'all what we need to do, you guys, you say, stand still and wait, okay? Can anybody do that? Because I'm going to be watching you. Okay? Charles, I can tell if your mouth's moving. I taught school for a long time. But Moses said to the people, I had too much coffee this morning, right? Moses said to the people, do not fear. Stand still and wait. I got this. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord. See, if you stand and wait, you're going to stand and see. See what the Lord will accomplish you today, for you today, for the Egyptians who you have seen today. You're going to never see them again forever. (laughs) Holy moly, verse 14. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. See, when we learn to stand and still and wait, we, have, we, be, we become accustomed to, we have ingrained in our faith, our spirit man, spirit woman, the ability to walk into the situations and circumstances of life, the bad ones. I mean, anybody can walk into the good ones, right? I mean, Anybody can walk into the good ones. It's when we walk into the bad ones that we find out what we're made out of. Amen? Say amen, Hans. Louder. Okay. Oh, here they are. Edge of the Red Sea. Things are looking bleak. Things went all cattywampus. Things turned upside down. They're looking at a barrier that there's no way to cross. But what happens? Moses said, just stand still and wait. And if you stand still and wait, you're going to see the salvation of the Lord. Because that's what it's all about. And you're in the middle of a bad situation. You're facing what would be uh, uh, something in front of you that seems insurmountable. What do you need to do? Stand still and wait. So you're facing something that is horrific. What do you do? One more time. Okay, I, I couldn't hardly hear you, Randy, but I'm sorry. Number two, stand still and wait. Please remember, we're going to find out, I think, particularly as we look at this second situation, Second Chronicles. How many of y'all spent a lot of time in Second Chronicles? I didn't think so. 
You can't pronounce the words in Second Chronicles. You're going to see that in one of these scriptures. It's like whoever gets to read up here, you know, I always plan it where I make sure I don't get Second Chronicles. Because you just go through it like you're speaking in tongues. And shabadaba, babadiba, and tubadubu. Yeah. Right. We're going to see in Second Chronicles um, how critical it is to learn to stand still and wait. But that the dynamic encounter with God, you see this, we're going to see as this guy named Jehoshaphat in Second Chronicles 20. It's a favorite story that people have been church for a while. They love this story because they always quote the part about, you know, the battle is not yours, it's God's. But the truth of that is God's battle because those people did what God wanted them to do. They stood still and they waited. They had learned. They trusted God to the point that they didn't try to take the situation in their own hands. They didn't try to remedy that situation. And they didn't fall. They didn't fail. They stood still and waited. So Second Chronicles chapter 20, we've got this guy named Jehoshaphat. Now, that little clock's not over there? Okay. Good. Pastor Tom's not here. Anyway, no, I've only got about another hour. Um, Second Chronicles chapter 20, most of you are familiar with the story. The nation of Israel had been divided into a northern and a southern kingdom. The southern kingdom was Judah, and Jehoshaphat was king over the, the southern kingdom, which, uh, for the most part, hung out with God during that period of time. The northern kingdom, Israel... They were terrible. So here we find King Jehoshaphat, God's people at that point in time, God's uh, favored, if you will, because the folks in the north were not favored at that time. Jehoshaphat gets a word. Somebody comes to him and says, hey, there are these three groups of people that are going to come and wipe you out and take back the land that God has told you is yours. It was the, Ammon, uh, the, the nation of Ammon, the nation of Moab, and Mount Seir. So he's looking at this huge group of Moabites, this huge group of Ammonites, and another whole flock of mosquito bites. Oh, no, that was Mount Seir, Mount Seir. This, is a, there, this was a no-win situation. This was a battle that could only be lost in the natural. Now, we're going to look at some scripture. We're going to go through it, and I hope we can add some stuff to you. That will, that seed that I asked the Lord, the Holy Spirit, even early this morning, to plant in our hearts. When that seed is planted, the Word of God's, the Word of God, and it is revelation, it is uncovered, unveiled truth, it's revelation that ignites our faith, activates our faith, so that we can go to the next place that God has for us. And I'm believing there's going to be some of y'all in here that you're going to have an entirely changed viewpoint. Truth changes us. If it doesn't change us, we need to find out why. Was that, Rick? Yes. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that. 
You and me, bro. I'm going to come talk to you. I'm believing that by the time we finish today, there are going to be some in here. I don't know how many. They're going to have revelation from God's Word planted in their heart. And it is going to be life-changing in two ways. Number one is how you look at what you're doing right now today on the first day of the week. And number two is how you're going to live an overcoming life right out there. When all hell breaks loose, the enemy comes against you, and life is falling apart. Because this truth will do that for you. Say amen, Charles. Thank you. Second Chronicles chapter 20. We're going to begin in verse 5. We're going to read a few scriptures, not all of them. We're going to verse 27, so I've got another hour. We may read them all. No, okay. Verse 5. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. Now, a couple things I want to point out. He stood in the assembly. What do we do? You got this horde coming against you, Ammonites, Moabites, and Mosquitoites. They're all coming. There's a horde of them. There's no way that you can defeat them. So what did he do? He stood. So what do we do? Thank you, Tom. You're doing good now. Stand still and wait. So he stood in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And I want to skip down to verse 9. I wasn't going to include this, but I really like verse 9. Pastor Tom put it in little bitty letters here because it wasn't supposed to be included, but I can read it without glasses. Are you listening? Okay. Have you got verse 9 there? Oh, yeah, okay. Should evil come upon us, the sword or judgment, pestilence or famine, hello? Now, you can equate that with put, fill in your own blank. Should evil come... Folks, we're living in evil days. You're an ostrich with your head in the ground if you can't see the dynamic, unbelievable, diabolical evil of Islam. It's not a religion. It's an ideology. It's the last great effort of Satan before the return of Jesus Christ. It is... It, it, I won't, I'm, I'm done. Should evil come upon us, the sword, the judgment, pestilence, or famine... Look at this. We will... I like that. If evil's coming at me, the enemy's coming at me, he wants to destroy me. He wants to destroy you, Jody. Are you with me? He wants to take you down. What are you going to do? Stand still and wait. Stand still and wait. Stand still and wait. We will stand before his house, before this house, and before you. For your name is in this house. Say this house. We're talking about this house. The household of faith here. I'm not worried about this house down the street. I'm talking about this house. This is where God placed you. This is where God placed me. Right, Johnny? Good. For your name is in this house and cry to you in our distress and you will hear us and deliver us. There's some more to that somewhere. No, nope, that's it. Okay. That's the only one on that one. So we got Moab. We got Ammon. We got all these bad guys here. Verse 10. Now behold, the sons of Ammon and Moab, Mount Seir. I told you the Moabites, Ammonites, and the Mosquitobites. 
whom you did not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, they turned aside from them and not, did not destroy them. Now, I really felt like there was a little truth there this morning as I was meditating on this. Let me see if I can get this out right, Chip. Moab, Ammon, and Mount Seir, whom you did not let Israel invade when they came out of the land, they turned aside from them and did not destroy them. I've got a good friend that pastored in Florida, and he taught on the 38 groups that were in the promised land. When Israel went into the promised land, God said, destroy them all. Destroy them all. And that those 38 groups can literally represent different areas, particularly battles of the flesh. When you don't destroy the battle of the flesh, it's going to come back and bite you. It's going to come back down the road and it's going to bite you. If you try to entertain it, you try to justify it, you try to rationalize it, it is going to come back and bite you. Don't play with the issues of the flesh. So that was just, that's not my note. PT, I added that. Okay. Verse 11. See how they are rewarding us. <laughs> you think you can entertain them? Uh-huh. They're going to come back by coming to drive us out from your possession because they will want to come out and steal the promise, the possession, steal your possession, steal your inheritance. They will come back and bite you and take you down. Don't entertain them. Well, you've given us an inheritance. Verse 12. This is a cool verse. Oh, God, will you not judge them? For we are powerless before this great multitude... Who are coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Hey, I don't know what to do, so what am I going to do? I don't know what to do, so what am I going to do? I don't know what to do, so what am I going to do? Okay, I only have one here in A.M., but y'all, come on, y'all, y'all help me out here. Mike, Mike, you ready? You help me out? Okay, all right, you the man. Okay. We're going to stand still and wait. Verse 13. All Judah was what? Ah, all Judah was standing before the Lord with their infants, their wives, and their children. Ha! Ah, they had no children's church. There was no, not even a nursery. I made that up on my own. All of Judah was standing before the Lord. They, were learnt, they had learned to stand still and wait. They had learned to trust their leadership who was saying, let's stand here in the assembly in the house of the Lord and have a dynamic encounter with God because God's got a plan. We're looking at a battle that can only be lost. There is no way in the natural that this can be won. So what do we do? And they had learned... Not only to stand still and wait, but to trust their leadership. And Jehoshaphat said, let's all come together in the assembly, in the household of New Hope, in the assembly of New Hope. Let us listen to the word of God coming from the messen through the messenger from the spirit of God that will take us to a place of dynamic encounter, standing and waiting on the Lord so that when you get out of here, the next thing that you encounter out there from the world or the devil or the flesh, you'll be able to, to stand still and see the, the victory and the power and the anointing of God released to destroy that thing. It won't get you because God's already gotten it. But we have to stand still and wait. Okay, verse 14. Then in the midst of the assembly, the Spirit of the Lord 
came upon Jehaziel. Okay, here we go. This is one of those verses where you have to be able to speak in tongues. Now, the truth, the powerful truth here is they were coming together as an assembly, as a household of faith, standing still, waiting here for you. I wish I could sing. I know y'all do too. Where's Tana? Long key, Tana. Waiting here for you. Anyway, I don't I never know. She said, I can't teach you to sing. You can't hear. And I said, huh? Anyway. Um, one more cup of coffee. I could be a stand-up comedian. Anyway. Um, they were together as a household of faith. They were together in the Lord's house. They had learned to trust their leadership who said, come together. They had already fasted. Jehoshaphat had prayed. They were together, say together, in the household of faith, standing and waiting, waiting here for you. And the Spirit of the Lord, boom, brought them a word through this guy Jehaziel. Okay, let's look at this verse. And y'all read it with me three times fast. Verse, Amanda, verse 14 again, please. You got to learn. I want you. Who wants to read this out loud? No, I didn't think so. Okay. Verse 14. And in the midst of the assembly, the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, the son of, this one's easy, Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah. Come on, Jamie. Now, the, the rest are easy, isn't it? The Levite, the sons of Asaph. So the Spirit of the Lord came on the one who was there to bring the prophetic word to the household of faith because they had chosen, they had learned, they had made a decision, they had ingrained in their spirit man and in their household of faith that the key to living an overcoming life out there is learning to stand still and wait in the presence of God to be touched by the Spirit of God, to hear the Word of God, so that when we go out there, we will be able to walk into a situation that seems insurmountable, a battle that seems unwinnable, and we'll be able to stand strong and say, I'm just waiting to see the salvation of God. I know God's got this. God's got a plan. That's what the Bible says, amen? There's no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. There is no plan, no scheme of the enemy that can prosper against me. There is nothing that can take me down except me. I'm the biggest enemy I've got. So what do we do? We hear the word of the Lord and we come to a revelation of the dynamic, dynamic, dynamic potential of coming together. You see, the enemy is the enemy smooth, Rick. He's so smooth, some of y'all don't even know how smooth he is. He has so deceived the church in America, it's mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling. Martin, where you are? Oh, there you are. Raise your hand. Shake your hand. Amen, brother. Thank you, brother. Most of the people in America think, oh, we're just going to church and sing a couple songs and hear the boy preach and then get the Cracker Barrel. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Why does he want you to think that? Because as you think you're going to be. Because he knows you're going to walk out of here pitiful, powerless, and impotent. 
You're not going to walk out of here clothed in the armor of God, walking in the anointing of God, knowing that if you stand still and wait on God, when you walk out there, you can stand tall and see the salvation of God. And that you will be someone who is equipped and empowered and anointed to preach the gospel out there. That's not my job. That's not Pastor Tom's job. That's not the job of, of y'all to bring them in here and hope we preach good enough to get them down here. It's your job to go out and tell them how good God is. Because once you've settled in your heart that he is a good God and that you can stand in his presence and have a dynamic encounter with him and be filled with his Holy Spirit and clothed with his anointing, you'll walk out that door and you'll be a different person. But let me tell you something. The enemy wants you to think this is just, oh, hey, if I show up, it's great. And if I don't, it don't matter. Well, there's two things that's wrong with that. Number one, you're missing out on a dynamic potential and power that will take you to an overcoming life out there. Number two, you've abdicated your role and your responsibility to this household of faith. Gets real quiet when I go there. I told somebody I was preaching this morning, I think Russ, and he said, not like Monday morning, is it? I said, Yo. I just inserted that, okay? That's not in my notes, all right. Okay, where were we? We were looking at, uh, we got the word of the Lord. Verse 17, we're going to get to the part where everybody loves this part. Oh, no, no, no. We didn't get to verse 15, I'm sorry. This is the part everybody likes. But see, they don't understand that there's preparation for this. It doesn't just happen. God's the God of his word. God just doesn't flip a coin and say, oh, I'm going to bless Terry today. Flip a coin, I'll chip you out of it. Oh, Chip, you ate Rice Krispies, he ate Cheerios, so he gets a blessing out there. He'll stand tall, you fall. Come on. God's a God of righteousness. He's a good God. His will and his purpose and his call is the same for every one of us. He has a call and a purpose for every one of us to be disciples, to be missionaries, to be preachers of the gospel. Out in a world that's lost and dying. They're so deceived out there, it's frightening. We've got to break the deception in here. Because when we break the deception in here, we start walking in the truth. Look out, Jack. We'll see the miracles. We'll see the signs. We'll see the wonders. We'll see the power of God released. We'll see the, the lame walk. We'll see the blind. The blind will see. Hallelujah. When that, and that's coming, folks. That's coming. That's coming, and I'll take, no, I won't go there. That'd be my stuff. PT, I'm going on. Okay. Verse, uh, verse 15, everybody loves this verse. And he said, listen, all of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you. This is the prophet who's come into the household of faith, into the assembly. Okay, everybody with me. Thus says the Lord, do not fear, do not be dismayed because of this multitude of Moabites, Ammonites, and Mosquitoites. And then the part that everybody loves right there. Woo! The battle is not yours, but God's. It's only God's battle in my life when I have learned to be obedient and to trust him and to stand and to wait and to believe and to know in my knower that God has a plan. Know that he is a good God and that everything he does in my life is for my good and his purpose. And when I've come to that place and I have learned to stand and wait, 
the battle ain't mine. Everybody loves to quote those scriptures out there. But you see, it's in here. It's in here, and it's in here. It's when Austin stands there with his hands in the air, worshiping and having a dynamic encounter with God at 11 years old. Oh, God's hands on your life. But we go on to verse 17. You need not fight this battle. <laughs> Woo, that is good news. Station yourselves and what? And do what? I can't hear you. Oh, stand. And stand and what? Station yourselves and do what? Stand and what? What is, what is it? Charles, I can't hear you. Stand and see. Because they had already stand and waited in the presence and had a dynamic encounter with God. Got a word from the Lord. And now he said, ha, go on out there and watch what I'm going to do. And God's not a respecter of persons. He hasn't changed in 4,000 years. Has he changed, Johnny? No. Well, if he said that to, the, to, the, to, to Judah and King Jehoshaphat through Jehaziel... 4,000 years ago, he hadn't changed. It's the same today. If you'll learn to stand and wait and have a dynamic encounter in here, in the household of faith, the assembly, here at New Hope, God's presence, power, and anointing will carry you to a place where you will always stand and see the salvation of the Lord out there. And when you've done all that you can do, stand. Stand and see. Stand and see. Okay. The salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Jude and Jerusalem, and the rest of it. Do not fear or be dismayed. Go out and face them. Wait, put that up there. Yeah, go, go back there. Go out and what? Face them. God knows you're going into battle. God knows there's stuff out there. What's he telling you? Ha! I'm going to... Waiting here for you. Now, I walk out the door. There ain't nothing I can't face. There's nothing the enemy can bring against me that I can't face. Is it going to be tough? Is it going to be rough? Can it be bad? Yeah. Can it be insurmountable? Can it be uh, like you can't cross it or can't beat it? Yeah. But you know what? When we learn to trust him, we learn to trust our leadership. We learn to have... That, that knowing that we know our dynamic encounter in here on a Sunday morning, on the first day of the week, this is important. This is important. No, let me say this is critical. This is critical. Say it one more time. This is critical. Now, somebody needs to hear that. I'm going to look at somebody, but I'm not going to look at them. This is critical. Some of y'all float it. Y'all, I'm at that door. I know nearly everybody in this room. Some of y'all float in and out of here like just going to Starbucks. You need to hear the word of the Lord today. For you. If you don't show up, God will bring somebody else in here to get the job done at New Hope. But for you, you need to know on Sunday morning, you're not going to get up and say, Good Lord, it's Sunday. You're going to get up and say, good morning, Lord. It's Sunday. I can't wait to get in there and have a dynamic encounter with you, which is going to anoint me and change me and empower me that next week 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead. There ain't nothing going to come against me that you're not going to beat, that you haven't already defeated. Hallelujah. I'm going to be an overcomer. I'm going to walk in victory. Your dynamic encounter when you stand and wait on the Lord in here. Tomorrow, next week, we're going to face them. For the Lord is with you. Verse 20. So they rose in the morning, went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. When he went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, O Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Put your trust. Believe in me. Believe. That's the word for believe. Trust in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Woo! Established. That's a great word. Job 22, 28 is one of my favorite verses. It says, um, yeah, well, it's great. one of my favorite verses. I can't remember what it is. Um, if you declare the word of the Lord, it will be established and the light will shine. He says, you're going to be established. Put your trust in his prophets and succeed. Put your trust in your leadership and you will succeed. Give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness is everlasting. Then they begin singing and praising. <laughs> and what happened? The Lord set ambushes against the sons of Ammon. Moab, Mount Seir, who had come against them, and they were routed. Let me tell you what happened. The Ammonites and the Moabites wiped out the mosquito bites. Then they turned on each other and wiped each other out. Then it took three days to gather the spoil. That's the God we serve. Huh? Stand and see the salvation of the Lord. Because you've already stood in the assembly. You have already stood there. You stood still. You've lifted your hands. You've lifted your heart. You've connected with me in a dynamic way that is going to clothe you with my presence when you go out from this place next week. Verse 26, then they assembled. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Barakah. That's the word that means blessing. Hallelujah. Okay, I'm done. Just about it. Therefore, they named that place the valley of Barakah. Two principles I want to share with you, and I'm closing. Principle number one. We got it up there. The stand they took in the valley began as they stood in the house of the Lord. Okay? Have I got that across yet, Martha? (laughs) The stand they took in the valley began. The stand you take out there is going to be determined by the way you, by how you stand in here. Is that simple? Rick, is that simple enough? Is that truth? Thank you, brother. A takeaway from this is the victory in your valley will begin with your song of praise in the house of the Lord. Your victory in the valley will begin with your song of praise in the Lord. You think you just come in here and watch the word? Oh, we got a great worship team or what? Huh? Great worship team. Woo! I mean, I love our worship team. Where's Peter at? Playing the drums up there. Huh, I married his mom and dad. I mean, this is exciting. Our worship team. I love worship. I love coming in to worship. I don't care if it's Southern Gospel. I don't care if it's slow. I don't care if it's traditional. All I care is that we're worshiping the Lord. I'm going to lift my hands. I'm going to lift my voice. I'm going to lift my heart to God. I'm going to have a dynamic encounter. Because when I go out from here, what happens out there is going to be determined by what I do in here. Now, let me give you a little example. I hope. Pastor Tom told me to use this, so I will. Um, Most of you know that I'm a little out of balance. Um, in a lot of ways. I'm a little out of balance. Thank you, Chip. A little out of balance when it comes to athletics. I've been involved in athletics all my life. And I'm, I'm a little, uh, 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 much of an overachiever sometimes when it comes to athletics. I'm a little competitive. Um, 
I'm kind of a lot competitive. But I have, you know, I, high school I played three sports, uh, football, wrestling, track. I was state champion two years in, in, uh, in wrestling, went on to college and wrestled. Coached football uh, from, well, I won't say what year it was. And anyway, I had the head electricity. And uh, I won a state championship in football, wrestling, and track. I know just a little bit about athletics. I'm still lifting weights. I've been lifting weights for 51 years. So I started when I was one. And uh, one thing we always said, and one thing that's drilled into me, and one thing I'm a little out of balance in, is preparation and practice. When I was coaching, we had a saying, how you practice is how you play. Folks, welcome to practice. Welcome to the practice field. Welcome to the coach. How you practice, how you come in here and practice is going to determine how you play the game out there. Don't hear me saying life's a game. Life is tough. But you see, God's got calling you far higher than you think you're going to go. He's just, he just wanted to have an encounter with you this morning so you can go on out there and make sure you get past the next bad thing in your life. He wants you to have an encounter with him this morning so you get that past the next bad thing in your life and the next person you find, you cast a demon out of them or you lay hands on them and they're healed. That's where he wants to take you. He doesn't want to take you to just enough. He wants to take you to more than enough. He don't want to just take you to get by. He wants to take you to get over and get to the next place. That's what he wants. That's why we're here. This is practice. Okay. Principle number two, what was to be a valley of devastation and loss became known as the valley of blessing. When we bless God in here, we're setting ourselves up for His blessing out there. One pastor from Zambia came and preached in my church one time down in Florida. He said, blessing, his definition of blessing was God has empowered you to succeed. Oh, it's a new car. Oh, it's a nice house. No. It's the empowering, enabling, anointing of God to succeed and be more than an overcomer and a conqueror through the blood of Jesus Christ. So, I am closing, I promise. We have a liturgy here. Ah, nobody, some of y'all probably never heard that word. You've been in Pentecostal church. <laughs> liturgy is an order of worship. But Pastor Tom is committed passionately to waiting on God. He's a fanatic in that. He's a fanatic in a couple other ways too, but I won't go into those. He's a fanatic in waiting on God. When he walks out here and interrupts everything, it drives me crazy. But you know what? That's just truth. Because he wants to wait on God. He wants to know it's God. He wants to know that he is leading you into a dynamic encounter with God today, next week, the next Sunday. So that when you walk out of here, you have practiced and practiced waiting here for you. So it's so ingrained and a part of who you are that when you walk out of here, no matter what it is, the forces of hell, sickness, devastation, whatever it is, you're going to stand and see the salvation of God, the power of God released in that situation. That's why we're here today. If you're looking at a barrier that can't be crossed or a battle that can only be lost, 
All we have to do, learn to wait. Stand still and wait. Thank you for joining us for the New Hope Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit newhopeonline.com.